Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors mix the best acrylic paints, core watercolors, Williamsburg oil colors, and mediums that you can buy. You can find Golden Artist Colors in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound Division is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters has three unique brands, which are unified in simple, earnest, and grounding principles. Fulcrum's own coffee line, Silver Cup, and Urban City. I've teamed up with Fulcrum to collaborate and create artwork for a new coffee tin. I created artwork inspired by some of the origins of where Fulcrum gets their coffee beans, and created the artwork for a tin which comes with a single origin coffee from Costa Rica, a 12-ounce bag. Both the coffee and the tin cost $35, and you can get it at their website, which is fulcrumcoffee.com. Based in New York, Victoria Sambinaris structures her life around a photographic journey traversing the American landscape for several months per year. Equipped with a 5x7-inch field camera, film, a video camera, and research material, she crosses the country alone, tenting on top of her car. Her large-scale project-based photographs document the continuing transformation of the American landscape with specific attention given to expanding political, technological, and industrial interventions. Victoria received her MFA from Yale University in 1999. Her work has been widely exhibited in museums and galleries throughout the United States and abroad. She's the recipient of numerous awards, including the 2021 John Simon Guggenheim Memorial Foundation Fellowship, the Julius Schulman Excellence in Photography Award, the Aaron Siskin Foundation Individual Photographers Fellowship, and the Anonymous Was a Woman Award. In 2011, a 12-year survey of her work was exhibited at the Albright Knox Art Gallery in Buffalo, New York, and traveled throughout the United States. Her work is held in numerous collections, including the Museum of Modern Art, the Whitney Museum of American Art, the Albright Knox Art Gallery, the Lannan Foundation, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, and the National Gallery of Art. In 2019, Victoria was commissioned by the Dia Art Foundation to photograph Robert Smithston's Spiral Jetty for the 50th anniversary and Sun Tunnels by Nancy Holt. Radius Books published her first monograph, Taxonomy of a Landscape. She's represented by Yancey Richardson Gallery in New York. Vicky and I caught up from her place upstate for a talk about growing up in Amish country, finding a life on the road, being a bit unlike the others, the meaning of landscape, and much more. Here's our conversation. So where are you right now? You look really pro. You look like Howard Stern. <laughs> really? <laughs> my hair's a little different. Um, yeah, no, this is my home, like, recording studio office slash, you know, it's where I do all my work on the computer and 
And during COVID, I did a lot of small work here too in my home office. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to soundproof, no windows. It's a little room, so it's it works for this stuff. Oh, cool. Where are you? You look like you're somewhere rustic. Oh. There's wood involved. Oh, I'm upstate. I'm I'm upstate at my place. I'm I'm coming back to the city tomorrow. So, so how many places do you have? <laughs> you're transient. I mean, when somebody asks. You? Yeah, totally. When somebody asks for an address, I give them like five addresses of where to send things because I'm always moving. You know, I'm never anywhere for very long. That's kind of fun, isn't it? Or is it exhausting? <laughs> it's ex- it's a little exhausting, but then I realize that um, there's no turning back. Like now I'm, I'm at this place where if I'm anywhere for too long, I start getting antsy. I, I can imagine. So I just got back. So you're upstate. The, um, and this is... I'm upstate. Would you call yeah. it your, your like home base, home base? This is home base. Okay. But it was, um, you know, for a long time, I w- basically I would come up here, mow the lawn, and turn around and go back to the city or go off somewhere. It was a layover? <laughs> yeah, it was just a layover. I haven't spent that much time here until COVID. Oh, yeah. So you were, you actually could settle for a little while. Like I had no internet. I had, um, like, it was, it was so, um, because it's concrete, the house is concrete. So, um, and this, I built this house, you know, it's this experimental house. And so in the summer, it would heat up to like 100 degrees in here. It was so oh hot because it's concrete. And I didn't have air conditioning. It was really hard to figure out how to put air conditioning in here. So um, it was just this year that I finally got it. I've had it for 20 years and I just oh got air gosh. conditioning. I just, I dug a 3,000 foot trench Wow. Um, to, get, to get internet. <laughs> Well, I guess, is it because you weren't really honestly using it that much, so it was bearable to to have it that way and not have AC and being off the grid, or? Yeah, yeah, it was, I wasn't here that often, and so I could, I could just deal with it, and those hundred degree days, I would just go to the neighbors and swim and, and um, take lots of showers and. Try to stay cool. Yeah, try to stay cool. And then I'd come up here and just detach from, you know, the internet nice. and from email and everything. Yeah. So now I'm glued back. I'm, I'm glued you're, to it. You're tethered to society. See, you had the right idea there for 20 years. Yeah, I did. A place to escape because, exactly. you know, people think of location as a place to escape. And now really it's like. Turning your phone off is a place to. That's you right. You can escape anywhere and I have n- if you turn off the. No air. TV, <sighs> nothing here. Like no movie. Couldn't watch movies. Nothing. We well, have. So hopefully, you have a stereo though. I do have a stereo. Okay, okay. We didn't want to go too <laughs> far into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not too. Far. Is it? I guess you spent a lot of time during COVID there, right? Yeah, except I mean, I did. Um, I did go on the road. Um, I guess I, this year, well, last year, I left last year in October, so that was, um, what year are we? 
for 2022. Isn't it weird? Like post-COVID, like yeah, what is time? Yeah, I have time? no idea what year it is. I don't even know. I've been telling everyone I'm the, a different age than I am. Like I thought I was older than I actually am. So Yeah, we all <laughs> aged like double in the past few years, yeah, I think. Yeah, everything's, everything's mixed up. But um, I, shortly after COVID, when everyone was locked up, I decided to go on the road. I thought, um, I'm going to be outside. I camp. So I just hit the road. And I went three times out west to the California desert and, um, and worked. Yeah. And then I'd come back for a few months and then went, went back out. And um, it's... It's very interesting going through the country. In that state, right? Yes. I can imagine. And to see how differently everyone's dealing with it. Yeah, you kind of flip the studio thing because a lot of people, you know, that I know and talked to during COVID was like, well, I just went to the studio because there was no one there and I could just go to the studio and get lost in there. And you flipped that by your studio is outdoors, so you just went out to the studio. Right, yeah. And, and when you're camping, um, I saw more people camping than I ever have. Yeah. Um, more people homeless than I, I mean, their, their vehicle is their right. home than I ever have. And, um, like, some of the campgrounds in Cal, they, they were... They were booked. I couldn't even get into some places. That's how many people were out there because everyone's trying to escape. Yeah, and it's like a backyard for a lot of people who don't have a backyard, really. Right, yeah. So they, they would get their families, like pack their RVs, all the food, and just camp for for days on end. Yeah. I did that in my living room <laughs> 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 for months and months and months. <laughs> It's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I dreamed yeah, of, got it. of Go, the, the, you know, going, going just, just being out there. Yeah. It was, I think everyone had a different experience, but that sounds like it must have been nice in the way that you could like breathe and be out there and have space. But at the same time, probably still kind of creepy in that all that in the back of your mind, that stuff's still going on. You know what I mean? No matter where you go, you're going to bump into someone, basically. Right, right. Like, you know, driving across the country, um, I stop at the truck stops all the time. and I can know, only imagine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's wild. And ha most people are not wearing masks yeah. in the middle of the country. So in the beginning, I had my sprays and my um, hand sanitizer. I, had, I, I was just outfitted right. for um, biohazard for everything style completely um but then then i realized a lot of that is fear the fear that's generated by i mean i'm not saying that that you can't um catch it from from going into places without masks i'm just saying that I was so terrified, you know, like at the beginning, remember we were all wiping our food down, yeah. like taking cloths and like cleaning everything. And then it, we realized they determined that it, you can't get it it's that It's not going to jump so off of carrots. Yeah, yeah we were, right. We were like vinegar 
bathing like vegetables and but the thing is we didn't know no one knew it was new no one knew and everyone's ending up in the hospital so you didn't want to roll the dice that's right so it was an erring on the side of caution i think exactly so the best place to be was outside really and um so this this past year and a half i've been outside all right so how do we get to that point like you so you grew up in pennsylvania right you're a fellow yeah. Pennsylvanian. That's right. We're we're fellow Pennsylvanians. And Lancaster, I believe. Lancaster, which I've home spent of the a lot Amish. of time in. Wait, why? Because um, I've always gone there. We here and there. I've just traveled through. I went to Penn State, so I wasn't too far, and I, we would like drive out there, and I had friends who were nearby, like in Bird in Hand, and like places around oh. there, and. Intercourse, Virginville. Watch your mouth. (laughs) 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 Exactly. So we would just go, we would be around there, you know. And then whenever I moved to the city, um, my family, we would drive there just to go to the buffets, to the smorgasbords, and like, and go to the little, I don't know, what do you call, they're like the mini groceries where you can get all that good stuff that you can't get. Like you get a giant bottle of oregano or spices for like $1.50 still. Wait, what? Is that, like, are they Amish markets? Yeah, they're little Amish like mini grocers, and you go in yeah. and you can get like orange milk and I don't know stuff that's <laughs> just so white Pennsylvanian, but I love it, you know. Well, that's exactly I we when I was growing up in Lancaster, um, you know, my parents immigrated from Greece right. to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I'm always like, why? why? I mean, why? <laughs> how on earth did you end up here? Like, why? Why didn't you go to California or somewhere? Like, was it the horse? Beaches, the horse buggies? And sun and was the, how um, was well, it's like one Greek from Kos, Greece, went there. Like somebody's great uncle arrived in Lancaster because there was a job, and then every Greek from Kos ended went up right. went there. So we lived on. New Street, and it was a working-class Greek neighborhood. In Lancaster? I didn't even know that. In Lancaster, like right down near downtown, like right in the city, and um, there were lots of Greeks living there, and met most of them from the island my parents were from. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we would go on these Sunday drives. My parents worked... my. Like Lancaster was full of factories, right. Armstrong Court Company and like RCA, just every one factory after another. So you had this industrial um, town set against this agricultural landscape. So on Sundays we would get in our pink Rambler station wagon and go for these Sunday drives um, out into the Amish landscape, and those memories. I, I remember that so well, and like stopping and getting ice cream and some of those ice cream places. And, um, but that's really what sticks right. with me in Lancaster. Well, was it, I mean, I can imagine, like what was school like there? Oh God, I, I don't remember having any friends. I mean, I was in the band, I played the saxophone me too. Um, I played. See, I knew we had something did, in common. See, <laughs> I played. 
I played alto, alto and then then tenor. That's my lineage. And then I even played some bass clarinet too. Same embouchure. Oh, oh. Well, I didn't get that far. <laughs> um, I, we, um, oh shoot, did you hear that? No, what happened? I'm sorry, it's just um, ambient. A text came in. Ambient. Yeah. Noise? Okay. No, good. Yeah. You're safe. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So band, and I, I went to a really big public high school. Was it um, with the Amish people or Mennonites or was it no, just no, no they're separate, the, right? They, they don't they're go to separate. school. Do they? They have their own. They school. go to their own schools. Right, right. Yeah, out. and so um, yeah, I just it wasn't it wasn't a good time. I for can't me, imagine. Were you like? I, were you sort of like? I feel like in Pennsylvania too. I, were you singled out because you were Greek? Were you could you only hang out with the Greek people, or was it not that? I well, I didn't really fit in with the Greeks, and I didn't fit in with the American kids. Like I don't know where I belonged. In band. And, uh, <laughs> in band, yeah. Well, band. Um, yeah, I liked band. What about I mean, art? I stopped. Did you take art? I no. I mean, I remember taking some like drawing. I remember taking an art class, but. I had no concept of art. Yeah. I wasn't brought up with we we'd go on field trips to the Philadelphia Museum, oh, that's cool. museum Art Museum. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like I grew up looking at art or understanding art. I mean Charles DeMuth is from Lancaster and I didn't even know that until right. later in life, yeah. you know. So um, I yeah, it was really this uncomfortable place high school right. was for me never fitting in really and not knowing where I belonged but when I was 14 I bought a camera my first camera and now what, um, what kind of camera was it it was a Nikon FM and I asked that um, as if I know anything about camera <laughs> I'm so well bad it was just like a basic 35 million you know that's really all there was and I was taking photography classes yeah um where in, in, school. in school? Yeah, I, in school. I guess the reason I asked too is because a lot there's a lot of vintage places like antiques places in that area, and you can find some really cool old. I don't know if they work well or not, but old film cameras. You know, I I think I need to do your Lancaster because my Lancaster's so different from your <laughs> Lancaster. Well, it's always like that. The tourist always like finds the stuff that the locals don't care yeah. about or never go to i mean like we used to go to miller's the smorgasbord i don't know if you know that place i know miller's smorgasbord but i don't know if i've ever been there oh, the shoe fly pie it's to die for i love shoe fly pie <laughs> so good but but i did work at dutch wonderland oh, oh well why not okay when i was 14 <laughs> and um i sold hex signs and nice these signs that said um i went from virginville to bird in hand to blue ball to intercourse to paradise. Oh my gosh. Like there was that was, <laughs> was like 14. I had no idea what that meant and I mean right. There were all the towns out there so <laughs> I imagine that <laughs> that job could be laced with some sort of trauma <laughs> of some sort. I was so traumatized in Lancaster. You don't even know it, right? But it just like, Yeah. Yeah. I had those experiences growing up where like there's there's conditions now that you look back and you're like what the hell was going on there? 
Yeah, yeah. When I look back, I was getting paddled in school. Yeah, and those were good times. Yeah, so I kind yeah. of avoided that for the most part. <laughs> but yeah, they used to just have a big wooden, every principal had a big wooden, like yes. the one of those things that they flip the pizza in a coal-fired oven. They just give you the once over. That's right. With the holes in them, so they hurt, it really hurt. Yeah, what was that about? More airflow? More velocity? I, it's sick. I, it was <laughs> it's sick. It's like a torture it was device. Sick. I have stories. <laughs> <laughs> don't recant them. I don't want you to go back into some sort of like. <laughs> I might have to go to therapy no, now. <laughs> no, it's not what this podcast is for. <laughs> Well, um, so that was Lancaster and, um, so you got out, Yeah, now, I got out, was your drive to, I mean, this is bridging a big gap, but was your drive to get out? Do you think that's where the seeds of like getting away was born or was it, you know, just wanting to, to like the Sunday drives you think, or what do you think instigated the, the travel or is it more conceptual as far as like seeing bigger I, things? I think it was, um, okay, so I, I never, our family didn't, I never went west until after we graduated from Yale, like, the, I went with Steve. Oh, with really? Steve that was the first time? That was the first time wow. I went west, and um, I had been working up and down the east coast, um, with all my work was east coast based. Um, I was working from Maine down, you know, to Lancaster. I mean, I was driving up and down right. and working the East Coast. The 95 then, corridor, that was your ticket. Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, what, a couple weeks after we graduated, Steve asked if I wanted to to drive across the country. He was going west, and I said yes. I had no idea and that was the first trip. Yeah, there. And he picked me up in Lancaster, and we um, we went, uh, took the southern route, and we went to um, Memphis. We went to Al Green's church. We wow. went to these clubs in Memphis. We, I mean, we that trip. I didn't. I we we. I had all my camera equipment in his truck. And every night we had to take out all the equipment, put it back in. I didn't take one photo on that trip because I was so overwhelmed yeah. by everything we were seeing. I mean, it went through the Texas panhandle. I have visions. I like remember seeing trains going by and just this huge landscape. And we just kept going. And I realized when we got to L.A., I thought got on a plane and we came back and I'm like, I have so much work to do. Like the whole country. It opens your eyes, right? It really did. And so, um, that was the beginning. That was 2000. And, um, I've been on the road every year since. That's amazing. You know, I had that accidental experience uh, right out of high school. Some of my friends who were real beatnik fans were like, Hey, let's go drive across the country to go to San Francisco. And I think I had $40. And one of the kids that we went with, his dad gave him his his uh, credit gas credit card. You could use it at gas stations or something. I don't know. Yeah. So we did it, and man, you don't know this country until you drive across it. That's that's so right, Brian. I I tell students whenever I'm I'm teaching, um, the first thing you should do when you graduate is go 
across the country and get off the main highways, like go into the little towns, like go into on the roads that parallel those highways and go through the towns and try to see as much as you. There's there's so much to learn. There's so much to see. It's fascinating. And I'm still fascinated after 20 years of it. Yeah, I think that's for certain demographics, though. (laughs) (laughs) Who would feel comfortable going to the deep, you know, middle America. Yes. Like driving through Alabama and places like that. It gets a little, you know, a little country bumpkin-ish in certain places. It it really does. It's so remote. I, I completely understand that sentiment and have had that as well. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, you have to you have to be open to to it um, as especially I mean, as a first of all, as a woman traveling alone, you have to constantly watch your back. But um, you I remember I remember one trip. um, I guess it must have been. Well, we graduated in 99. So that was the year I went with Steve across the country. So then I came back and my first trip alone was 2000. And I right, went right back to Texas, and I, I was in um, Fort Worth, I think, Fort Worth, Texas, and I was staying in some $27 motel, like a raunchy I can picture motel. It. They, don't, they don't have $27 motels anymore, no. but um, they were, it was, it was, I had no money, so I had to, I just had to do it that way, and I... Uh, Somebody told me there was a honky tonk. Oh, you've got to go to Billy Bob's honky tonk. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go to Billy Bob's honky tonk. And I went by myself, and it's this whole other culture that I had no idea existed. And I just was an observer. I just sat back, had a drink at the bar, and watched everything going on around me. And that's really um, what I do. You know, yeah. I, I engage with with the, with everyone that I meet um, because that's where you get the best information about place. Right. And, and culture, um, like the local culture. And exactly. It's eye-opening. Exactly. And it is. And, and, and the politics, it explains a lot about the politics right. in the country and the division. And um so it's it's always a lesson. It's always a lesson, these trips. Yeah, you don't forget those moments because of the because when you're unfamiliar with that kind of experience it, it stands out, you know. That's why they say when you're really young, time seems really long because you don't have a lot of experience to bounce these things off of. Like you don't have accumulated memories to like categorize it in. Yes. And I feel like when you were in an environment like that, you really remember. I remember after my show in Berlin that I had, they were like, oh, let's go to this party, like dance place. And it was in a warehouse. <laughs> and it was like some sort of <laughs> rave with like all sorts of stuff going on. I mean, it was wild. And I've never been or seen anything like that in my life. And I felt like a kid, like where I was like, I don't, what is this? You know, where am I? Who are these people? <laughs> it's amazing. And, and those things stand out, yes, right? Yes, for sure. Because this stood out. <laughs> it stood out. <laughs> You'll never forget. No, I will never forget. Yeah, there's, there's moments like that, which I think, you know, it those, those leave imprints on your visual memory. So it gives you like yes. a wider swath of experience to balance and, you know, ideas and things that you're thinking about with, you know? 
I guess Definitely. that's the, the advertisement for travel, is that it expands your idea of what's possible visually or what, what, is, what exists. That, that's right. And that's why I think this, this COVID situation and being locked up is so bad for everyone. Oh, yeah. It's just um, so limiting. And um, I, I can see why so, so many people are depressed. You have to be able to get out and see and be and be alive, you know, to feel alive. Right. And travel makes, makes you feel that way, makes you feel really alive. Definitely. And, and I think it those new experiences like recalibrate you in a way that's like important for your psyche or something. Yeah. I'm sure someone's written a book on it, but I'm sure I need, we need to get it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, when you got out of high school, did you like, what was your plan though? Well, so y- when, when you grow up, um, you know, my parents, parents had big expectations for their kids. Um, doctor, lawyer, business you know not not an artist (laughs) not not a photographer not an artist like so um I I went off to um school I went to the small women's college in Washington DC called Mount Vernon College Mm -hmm. and it was the antithesis of the high school I went to where classes were just you know a few few students and um I, in some ways, I, I was kind of misplaced there, but but maybe, or I felt out of place. Um, like there were daughters of diplomats going to this school, and it was just outside of Georgetown in D.C. Yeah. And um, but I I still I still took photography, and um, there wasn't an art program. I studied business, just trying to do the right thing right. it was but then one i of the graduated three, right? that was one of the three yeah options. one of the three and and it didn't work out so <laughs> i i graduated i'm like now what and um i i remember um travel again right after i graduated i went to greece and i met i mean i saw my family after not having ha- having seen them and and since i was a kid and it changed me. It just made it, sh- it re- another recalibration yeah. where it's like, okay, the world is big. I need to do something. And so I left DC and I went to New York. Um, some, someone, a friend of a friend said there, there was, was an opening, a job opening in an antique gallery. I knew nothing about <laughs> antiques. I mean, and I went up, I had, no, I knew no one in New York. I didn't have an apartment. I had nothing. I had no money, you know. Isn't it amazing what and we used to do, like, pre-internet? We're just like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, so I go up, I interview. They say, when can you start? I said, two weeks. And I packed up, and I went and stayed at the Martha Washington Hotel for Women, thinking, oh, you can pay by the week. So when I get my paycheck, I can pay that weekly and uh, because I had no money, and I, I think it's going to be young people like me starting out. Well, it was totally like women on the edge. Oh no! Uh, just like all these old decrepit women, and I think it's like <laughs> just before you're homeless, and and um, I had a room 
like facing a brick wall with a, a you know a sink and it it was awful but I stayed there for a month and um and I started working at this antique gallery and it was high-end like 18th and 19th century English antiques called it was eight floors of English antiques in the city and in Manhattan in the city on 12th street Kentshire galleries and um like celebrities Wait, on Broadway with on Broadway and U- or University, yeah, between University yeah, yeah, I and think Broadway. I know. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were antique places over there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, I I knew nothing about this business or the world of decorators and and um, their clients, and and so I was there, and then I um, I found a place. Remember the Village Voice? I found a, a listing. For an apartment down on Mercer Street, and I went, and it was this artist's loft, and he had a little balcony above his loft, and he's like, "Okay, that's what that's the room for sale." <laughs> like it looked apartment. down onto his, it was just yeah, like a, a ba- yes. Oh wow, and good location. Good location. It was uh, like just off of Canal, and um, and then some. Uh, there were other. Europeans living there like the there was a girl Katarina Clem um, who was from Germany doing her dissertation on uh, Robert Wilson and she and her friend Tillman came and we all became friends they were from Germany Tillman's a painter and um, all of a sudden my life changed Um, we you know we were going to openings and I just found my place I found my people and that's part of it in life is trying to find find your peace right right like who you yeah definitely wait and all of you guys were up in the balcony together (laughs) (laughs) Katarina lived in a tiny little room below my balcony and there was another guy living like like the the assistant who was from um, Amsterdam he lived there too he was in the closet you know it's funny like back in the day New York apartments it was just like there were no rules you know, the way right, you break up spaces right. and where people live, it was just like oh, yeah. rogue. Wherever. Like code yeah. and building, they, they, they must not have cared at all because now it's so regimented. But back in the day, you could just, you know, there was. I a, felt so lucky to have a balcony. Yeah, it's a spot in the city, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you had a great view of like the people eating breakfast downstairs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, it worked, right? It got you on your feet it, and you met the it people. Did. You wanted to I meet. met that was the most important part is the the people that I met and so that's when life began and every Tillman would come and pick us up and we'd go to openings and then I became friends with a bunch of artists that worked at Crozier Fine yeah. Art and well, they were um, still doing like, it back then right they were all artists you know art handlers and um, so many of still friends yeah. from from that time um so that was the beginning and then i started taking classes at icp at night i took a class with nan golden and that was um, in the city back then right not in bushwick yeah it was up in the upper like in the 90s like 96th street or something and um and i was i was really getting this education of um you know a photographic photography education as well 
as my New York art education yeah. through my friends and going to these openings. And it was a really, um, it was a, I, I, I look back on that time when I arrived in New York. I mean, when I first got there and I was alone and didn't know anyone, um, it was hard at the time, but I look back at it fondly because I, I was exploring the city, going to, you know, getting my, my film education from Theater 80 on St. Mark's yeah. and um, going to these classic films and going out to see jazz or whatever. I just navigate the city and go wherever it took me. Um, there were great bookstores and tons of great art bookstores and um, there seemed to be a lot to offer at that time when you're young and um, enthusiastic about everything. Right. Yeah, and it, it's that newness again. Because when yes. you first move to the city, it's all new. You don't know your way around. It feels huge. There's so yes. many people. There's so much stuff. And then, like, after a couple decades, you're like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it's, yeah, you know. right. Like, is anything going on anymore? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you know there is. It's just I don't know where, where it's happening. Right, yeah. But. That's changed for sure. Yeah, because, yeah. like, one of the best things when I first moved to the city was, like, going to see live music because there's so many places to see it, you know, and it was really good stuff. But, you know, a lot of those places have long are long gone now. And it's still going on, I'm sure. I just don't know where or like It might be just the outer borough somewhere. Yeah. Remote. I don't know. Pennsylvania. I don't know maybe. where it is. Maybe somebody can tell us. <laughs> yeah, maybe Pennsylvania. <laughs> Wait, upstate. I'm sure a lot of people are upstate. <laughs> um but that's cool. So so you found and did you study with Nan Golden? Um, w just one. I just took one class yeah. with her. I mean, there were lots of good people teaching, and um, so I would go from class to class, just trying to figure out what it was I was interested in in terms of photography. Um, and then, um, then I um, started working for David Deutsch and William Wegman at the same, right around the same time. And that really, that was around 92. And that really was a great education, yeah. actually, because I learned about what a true artist, how a true artist works, and it's having a studio practice and just this commitment to it. And I realized then and there that you're either in it or not like there's no halfway right. you have to give yourself over to it completely 150 percent like you 100 yeah because yeah, when you see people who are that dedicated to it you realize oh this is like this isn't like wishy-washy you got to really want it and work at yeah. It. yeah and and david's like a real mentor to me still and um i've learned learned a ton from him and then uh, after that, that's when I decided to apply to graduate school after that experience of working for artists. You felt like you wanted a little more, more. time to like work on what you're working on and more voices too, right? Definitely. You need that critical dialogue and you need to, you know, I was, I was basically making, making photographs and putting them in a box 
and no one would ever see them. No, I had no one, I wouldn't show them to anyone. And um, so I, yeah, I decided to, to apply to grad school, but I, I didn't have Yale on my list. I, um, I, had, I got three transcripts from my undergrad and Yale wasn't part of it. Um, it was like Bard and RISD, Chicago Art Institute, I think. And then um, I asked a friend to read, my friend Maria Jersky, who's a writer, I asked her to read my essay for grad school. And she said, um, well, are you applying to Yale? And I said, no. And she said, why not? And I said, well, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get in. It's um, like I gave her every reason why. I, I missed the deadline. I, I can't. It's too late. And she said, call them up right now and see if you can take your application up. And back then, you know, then it was, we had the carousels. And had to yes. put the red dot in the top right and put them upside yes, down. Yes, red would, dot. They wouldn't look at them exactly. if you didn't. That's right. <laughs> Got that all, um, and she said, "You need to go home and rewrite this whole thing. This essay's shit." <laughs> and so, get the real critique. Um, yeah, so that that was the beginning of my education. Um, but then I went home, rewrote, rewrote, took it up there, dropped it off, and um, terrified at those interviews. But oh, yeah. anyway, we all do it, and we get through it. Yeah. But that was a a really exciting time that like when you yes. got there and the people you were with, there was definitely some energy down there. There was a lot of energy. Yes, it was wild, a wild time and um, really important for me. Yeah, um, I needed it. It was a good education. What was the real quick to what was the work you were applying with? Like what kind of photographs were they? I. I was all over the place. I, I, we all talk, like we photographers, we talk about how we would never get in now. If, if I had to apply with what I applied with then, never would I get in. I mean, I was all over the place. I was, I was trying to make um, Robert Adams photographs with a Rolleiflex. So I had like all these square, poorly printed black and white photographs of like, um, I'd go into grocery stores and shoot like packs of chicken like wrapped in plastic like frozen or whatever and but I was also doing these landscapes up in Maine um, with uh, just looking at these industrial towns and then I would I was making photographs of um, like distribution areas with a pinhole camera I mean, I was working in every single, like, black and white color. I was all over the but place. You were, I had they, no idea. They must have thought she's experimenting. Like, she's not afraid to to explore, you know, and try different things. Yeah, yeah I, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was not, it was, I don't even know where that work is now. But, um, yeah, so I really needed... I needed help, and they, the first thing they said to me is, choose your camera. Just, you need to shoot with a large format. 
and um, choose your film, like one or the oh, other. Like commit to one thing. <laughs> commit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there. So, it's kind of like narrow it down. There wasn't this yeah. like love of, or at least in my experience around that time, this love of like, oh yeah, just try everything, do installation, you know, do it all. No, it was more like you got to focus here, kid. <laughs> That's right. You've got to focus and you need to learn how to make a good picture and you need to learn how to talk about it. And um, you need to to develop your ideas and um, your references. And that was that was all very important. So where did you get to the point to I feel like you were. This might be sort of like blurry memories. But I feel like in one way you were kind of like the one of the odd people out in a sense because there was so much figurative stuff going on. Definitely. Right? I, I mean, yes. Like heavy I mean, psychological or identity or narrative. narrative. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah you were making I, these sort of <laughs> austere. Like de- really minimal. Yeah, like evacuated landscape. landscapes and stuff. Yes. Yes. I was really in the wrong I mean, I was at the right place, I guess, to develop, but I was in the wrong, um, at the wrong time, really. You were at the right um, team, but the wrong squad. No, but it's good right. to be, it's good to be, <laughs> I feel like, the one who's doing the stuff that doesn't look like, or not look like everyone else, but resonate maybe, as far as like, you know, the subject matter, because it's more, you're getting more challenging, I'm sure, in a way, it's like the critiques are different and you know it's like I don't know I would imagine there's a benefit to that well I I'm I'm used to not really fitting I mean it was kind of like high school again like where you're not really fitting in and um but um and I when I got out I I remember friends saying like don't you regret not doing that that work that's coming out of you like constructed reality why and it's like well no I mean I'm I'm doing what I'm passionate about I mean I'm not I'm not doing it just to like right I'm I'm doing what what I'm interested in and what is me really not what everyone else is doing yeah you're not hopping on the bandwagon that's coming out of there like where everyone's on yeah although I feel like everyone to the credit Everyone was was different. Very much, there was different yes. vibes going on. Oh, totally. Which is easy to Everyone categorize had... that figurative stuff as like, oh, this yes. is kind of a narrative figurative thing. But there was a lot of variant stuff going on within yeah. it. Within it, yes, there was. Um, but it it was it was difficult because um, it it launched so many careers. You know, like right out of right not even right out of school, like right during school. Yeah, that was, it was accelerated, I feel like. It very accelerated. And it was, um, you know, shows and dealers and like just uh, immediately. Yeah. Uh, And so you're coming out and it's like, okay, now what? And really um, the only thing you can do is just keep working and keep at it. Yeah, no one really tells you or at least not my experience, no one really tells you that or, or wants to talk about that when you're in, in an educational environment of like, oh, you might get grouped together here and there was going to be a lot of interest and in how to navigate that. And then there's also the people, like others who don't get that right out of school. It's like, 
oh, just keep working, wait for, you know, the interest to come. Like, because you might feel like left out or like if you don't strike when the iron's mm-hmm. hot right out of school, it's all over with, which is not, which is crazy because there's so many people who show right out of school and then they fade out in like two or three years or whatever and you never see them again. You know what I mean? That's right. It's really That's the right. long haul of it all. The long haul. And, and, um, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm not going away. I mean, I'm always going to be doing this. That's the true test, I think. Yeah. Because it's, it becomes part of you. It's, it's like you, you can't do anything else. Yeah. It's, um, so it's all, it's all been good. It's, I, I feel, um, I feel content with, what I'm doing yeah. the work and because I'm so engaged really right yeah and it's it, you know anyone can do it when people are throwing paychecks at you or everyone's paying attention to yeah. you but what happens when it gets quiet what that's happens right. when the party's over you know what I mean are yes. you still doing it and that's when I think that, you you find the real the lifers like the people who really believe in it you know yes yeah that's right so um yeah it's like that remember i don't know if you ever watched cartoons as a kid there was this great one with like the tortoise and the hare where the it was like a bugs bunny one and he ran really quick and then the turtle was so slow but he just ended up winning because it was this is so funny it's like the slow and steady wins the race you know sometimes you just gotta hunker down believe in yourself and just keep plugging away you know yeah that's that's what you just have to commit and just keep doing it and don't don't look back just keep going forward yeah. you know yeah keep and making more believe in what you're doing i had a couple of really yeah. good mentors they weren't my teachers not saying my teachers weren't good but when i got out of school some guys that i met through you know showing and artists who had been around the block a few times and they you know i remember a couple of them saying you just got to stay it's like it's like surfing you have to just stay on the board like the waves will come you'll fall you'll crash the water level goes down, but if you just stay on it and keep riding it out, like you'll catch another wave. You'll just keep going, you know. Yeah, it's good advice. I think and so. And it's 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 the only way um, to to keep keep going. And um, yeah, so well, you've separated too. Like so, going out of school and like you to catch up with that. You know, talking about making that trip across across the country, you really embedded you know, your working process with this exploratory travel and movement and, you know, seeing different places or going outside. And your studio, I imagine, I mean, quote unquote studio, your your art making landscape is really, you know, vast. Yes, Which, it's out there. It's it's out in the middle of the country. And um yeah, the trips um like I, I just got back a month ago and I'm already antsy. Like I want to, I want to get pack up and go again. And, but I'm here now and have to actually do the production right. and I'm still shooting film and I'm still large format. And, um, and somehow the process of the drive out, you know, there's something mentally that happens when I cross the Mississippi river, you know, cause there's all this, anxiety before I leave like everything that has to I have to wrap it up and and prepare to go and um I'm I'm 
pretty much like I, although I'm not technically always off grid, but I'm not on my computer. I'm, I have my phone, um, but then nothing else. Like I'm not emailing unless I have to, or and I just close everything off and then I go. And then once I cross the Mississippi, then I start to relax and get into the groove and then I get to the destination. And usually the trips um, revolve around something that I read or see or hear about, or there's something that inspires me to go to a particular place and start making work about that place. And then I'll just show up and... So it can happen on the fly? Like if you're out near Colorado and you hear about something going on in Boulder, you could just drive there and start taking pictures or is it more planned it's more it's more planned like um I mean early on early on I remember like um I remember going I I I decided I was going to go to Alaska to work and I didn't have specific um places in mind where I would go I was just going to go and go up to Prudhoe Bay and follow the pipeline the whole way up to Prudhoe Bay and then drive down the pipeline to Valdez but then then you discover things like somebody will tell you oh there's a there's a um, gold mine down down the road or or up in Fairbanks or there's something here or something there and I'll drive to those places and incorporate that whatever that is hopefully into the idea that I have for the work so there's always a big idea in mind like a big um, concept in mind but then I'm not quite sure what it is that will that I'll photograph that will relay that I larger idea that I have right yeah I have a similar fantasy about going to donut shops across the country (laughs) I just go to a town and Where's your best donut? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll 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 look out for you, Brian, when I'm on the road. I'm gonna find that donut for you. I I mean, I've been (laughs) when I go to a town. That's usually what I ask people right away. Is like, where's the best donut? (laughs) Well, I was always looking for the best coffee. Oh, that and I had this. Yeah, that's good too. I had this book. I mean, this is back before I had the phone to navigate because I I remember. I, I I remember the time like I think actually maybe Alaska was one of the last places that I went to that was 2003 where I did I didn't have a phone or no internet and I was had to call home on a pay phone and I was navigating everything with maps and um, remember that yeah it's crazy isn't it we went on it tour is crazy. with maps with paper maps yeah yes you know how hard it is to be like on I've time <laughs> <laughs> and you're like using that that scale yeah. like 50 miles yeah, yeah. is one inch and not efficient uh no not efficient but um there was a book called where the locals eat and I carried that around and uh for years and then I then it got to the point where I'd go to this the best coffee place yeah. and it would be like a donut shop or something there's a closed or it no longer existed because the book wasn't updated. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best things about driving across the country is, like, the stuff you find, you know? Like, talking to people and recommendations and all that. St- it's pretty cool. It's 
But, but what's changed and what's sad to me is when early on the north, south, east, and west all felt and looked so different, like the culture was different. Oh, yeah. And now everything's become a little homogenized right. where you see the same big box storage, you see the same of everything, yeah. same chains all over the country. And I remember being in the South and asking, um, where's, where's a local um, place to get some breakfast? And, and they told me some, you know, oh, the, it was a, like Denny's is right down the street. <laughs> and it's like, Denny's, that's not local. Yeah. I mean, I want local mom and pop. Like, and that's slowly fading away. <laughs> like Waffle some, House. Some you mean Waffle House. Yeah. That's right over there. Yeah, if you don't like Denny's, there's Waffle House. There's uh, Bob's like Big Boy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, so, the, the internet is destroyed. I remember, I mean, I haven't driven across the country in a long time, but I remember going to thrift stores or like vintage music stores. You could really find some gems. And now everyone knows what they have. You know what I mean? There's no cheat. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows they could just Google how much jadeite is worth and, or whatever, you know, or whatever yes. this guitar is worth. You you used to be able to find one in like a secondhand store and it could be like, you know, something amazing. Someone selling it for $50. That's, that's yes, gone. Those days are gone. I guess that it's, you know, you get some good, you get some bad. Things change. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And now you that's don't have true. to pull out a gigantic paper map and get lost for like three days when you're trying to find something. Well, sometimes getting lost is is a good experience. That's true. And I guess if you're off, there's not cell phone coverage everywhere, is there? There's probably some dead zones. No, there is definitely, um, you know, I did this artist residency called the Montello Foundation in Montello, Nevada. And it's two, it's it's 20 miles into, it's in the Great Basin Desert and 20 miles off of dirt roads, like really rough dirt yeah. roads, to a little cabin. And for two weeks, I was there, and you're completely off grid. And it was magical, really. Yeah, sure. It was so. Sounds relaxing. Well, yeah, you, you, um, you just pay attention to so much more right. when you're not distracted distracted it's hard to be it's hard to be bored these days yeah kind of erase that from our our (laughs) list of things that we could do during the day that's right never bored and my kids Mm. i don't even know if they know what boredom is really the kids don't know they don't know boredom do they sound so old when i say well unless you take (laughs) the phone and the phone and tablets away then are they bored uh it's a different kind of boredom yeah they could get bored, but they're not trained to be bored. So it gets like they're mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't have anything. We just invent stuff. But a lot of times, kids who have that stuff and you take it away, they're like, "Well, n- nothing's fun." You know, that's yeah. fun. Which I get. You know, nothing's funner than like, you know, the games they play and stuff like that. It's amazing. I had like Pong and Space Invaders. After like a you know a few hours, you're like, all right, I get it. It's the same thing over and over again. Now you could get lost in a video game and play it forever. It's just like a story that never ends. Well, I I remember this. I remember this guy. I you know all these experiences camping across the country, and this guy pulls up with this enormous, like ginormous RV, 
and he's trying to maneuver it into a spot and and uh and then he gets out and he's like i mean we used to camp in a tent but now my kids want they need their tv my wife needs her kitchen i like they want a bed they want this and that and now i got this big thing <laughs> it's like no one can be without it's like a hotel stuff. on wheels yeah there are lots of them yeah yeah that's it's funny well and that's drive so your studio being basically on the road do you listen to a lot of music when you're driving or you listen to books on tape or podcast? like what's your audio okay. input or Brian, silence i am i'm having like a music um situation Uh-oh. because i i was so into music like i i um and i had I've always had a really eclectic, um, diverse uh, amount of music in my life, right. and um, but somehow, somehow, I feel um, like it took me a long time to actually subscribe to Spotify, and uh, I'm I'm really I'm such an I'm so analog through and through like I want a record or I want um, you know I want to listen to an album and I I think I just got like I always had music in the car always driving whether it was like always up music Led Zeppelin you know I had everything and I just was I found this old iPod that I had and I'm like looking at what I was was listening to and it's so everything from you know Led Zeppelin to like Charlie Rich to you know and everything in between I mean disco like all media uh, all types of alternative and obscure music and like um Cuban music (laughs) just and it was great it just kept me going and somehow uh, like all of that music was selected by me and I guess um, or I, I'd hear it and get inspired and buy the record but I, I don't know I'm at a loss now it's just like I need inspiration because I get to Spotify and I look and I am like what what do I want to listen to I feel it's almost like too many options you mean? too many yeah. options too many options yeah, it's like I need it's I need a curated I need someone to curate my music. Right. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's like options paralysis, where it's like there's yeah. just so much stuff to choose from. Once in a while, I'll do that where I'll turn on. I don't watch a lot of TV at all, and I don't have like TV TV. It's just like, but I'll put on Netflix, and I was like, there's so much stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's how like I, I feel. I don't feel like digging Spotify. through. Although the good thing about Spotify is if you listen to like ten things, you're gonna have like you know, algorithmic, like, radio stuff that'll just play it for you, so. Yes. It'll just yeah. take over the wheel. It's like autopilot. But, but, but I do, like, I, I still, it's funny, because I come up here, and I, I used to come up here, and I would, I told you I'd mow the lawn, and at night I would, like, dance. I'd just put on music on the stereo, like, something that I have yeah. here, a CD, and I'd go crazy dancing, like, by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let it out. And yeah, I'd let it all out and then go back to the city. And um, and so I still, you know, I still have that that desire and drive. And I just have to 
get busy with music a little more and try to find some something some stuff. Yeah, I remember stuff. one of my memories of driving across the country was how different music feels in different places. You yes. know what I mean? So if you're in New York City and you listen to like Hank Williams, it feels a certain way. If you're in like, yes. you know, Utah in the middle of like all that landscape and you listen to it, it has a completely different feeling. That's so true. And sometimes driving and I, I'm listening to the radio and it might be, you know, when, when you're driving along, it could be the only station you get is right wing Christian radio, oh, yeah. you know, or but then when you're in the sometimes I'll find like a really great country station that's like old classic country timey stuff the good stuff and they're ta- these guys are like talking about you know the the um the musicians and the artists and um and that that always makes me really happy because i'm i'm in the moment yeah. and i'm in the place and um so yeah and so the radio is keeps me busy sometimes yeah the radio out there gets a little weird too yeah, a little it weird is wacky. really weird there's like animal auctions and yeah it's it's weird uh <laughs> like i did i did this video and um uh, in 2011 i i just made this this video and part of it is is that listening to the radio and it's one of these these auctions where they're auctioning like like they're it's pretty <laughs> auctioning amazing. off a pig yeah, yeah. or something and and then announcing the winner and um there's there's weird stuff out there in the country it really is have you ever <laughs> seen any ufos or any weird stuff out there um i have you gone to area I, 51 like near there i have i have i didn't see anything um there's the, always the Marfa lights. Oh, yeah, Marfa. I haven't <laughs> been know? to Marfa, but I want to go. Yeah, there's the Marfa lights. But but there's, um, I was just in Death Valley, um, you know, a couple months ago, and I was camping, and there was some crazy stuff happening up in the sky. But, like, there's all, all kinds, I mean, there would be these fighter jets, like, coming down across Death Valley, like, right right above you yeah. <laughs> like they down. just yeah. dive down and and there's a lot of that but um it, the night sky is is just incredible out it's there and i was amazing. seeing things that i'd never seen like weird lights in the sky probably satellites but i don't know what they are yeah. you know yeah it's it's amazing i mean i remember somewhere around four corners we were camping in the sky out there was just unbelievable yeah. The amount of stars and shooting stars and stuff you see. Yes. It's incredible. Yes. You know, if, you, it is, if you only grew up on the East Coast around a city or something, you have no idea what light pollution is compared to the sky out there where you could see the the Milky Way galaxy clearly, like the stripe in the sky of like the density of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's just, um, it's spectacular. And you, you, you just want to be outside just looking up, really. Yeah, it's like the sublime, right? Yes. Like the yes, sky is. is still the sublime because we've, it used to be Hudson River School, kind of like, you know, the rivers and mountains. But we feel like now we kind of got the earth thing down. We get it. But when you look up at the sky, it's the still that endless sort of, escape. you know, it's just amazing. 
it's like, what is going on out there? And it just feels so small, really. Yeah. Puts you in your place looking up at the sky. For sure. When you have a good sky. I And I still make work that is like resonates with that. Like I was just working on a new animation and it's about the sky and like, you know, like time elapsing from a view. But I'm when I'm doing it, I'm thinking about that time that I was like camping and looking up at those stars and how amazing that was. Oh, that's... That's really good. That's good. You're you're inspired enough to make work. Still, and I, that was like a long time ago. Yeah, that that memory, that experience. Although I think a lot of people um, tap back to their childhood when they're making stuff. Like it comes from, you know, growing oh, up. Oh, for sure. Sensibilities, not always the imagery, but you know, the driving force. That is for sure. I think every artist can write a book about that. You yeah. know, about childhood memories and how it ties back into the work yeah well you're really like a musician though you go out on tour basically and you're out there for a while and there's all that energy and the charged environment and then you got to go back and you got to basically make the record and cut all the tracks and like sit inside for a while and like make a record you know i've never thought of that at all but it is it is that that's why you like led zeppelin so much yeah (laughs) (laughs) those guys just wanted to be on tour all the time partying and living the life on the road you know that is really what i maybe i maybe i should get a bus like a big old you know bus that all the musicians drive around in i should have my own if you could only figure out how to make your show on on the road you could be like a comedian because they (laughs) tape their specials as they're on they're like always on the road i could and 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 beam it back to new york to like send the files have my own yes <laughs> or 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 just have like my reality show on the road there you go in a winnebago <laughs> a old vintage yeah. winnebago yeah or, or or a greyhound bus or something well what about um traveling outside of the u.s are you still doing that i mean obviously you've been to greece are you doing a lot of travel otherwise um, i know i i because I'm, when I'm on the road here, you know, in this country, I get back east, I'm in production, and then planning the next trip out. But there's not a lot of time to travel internationally. Right. And, um, and the work hasn't, I feel like, I know there's a lot I could do um, internationally with similar ideas, but so, so much about what I'm doing revolves around um, what's happening here in this country politically. And um, I know it so well that I I could, I would like to, I would like to make work eventually outside of the U S I'm just not ready for it yet. Yeah. It would be a huge shift. I'm sure I personally, I think it would be really, I would love to see if someone, like, if you just got on a plane and went to China and spent, like, you know, five months traveling around from city to, like, way out there and just taking photos. Like, I'm trying to picture what those photos would look like, but I'm sure it would be yeah. amazing. Well, I've, I've always wanted to do um, the, uh, what is it, the Transcontinental Highway. Oh, yeah. In Russia, uh, like, is that what it's, the tr- is that? Or, uh, well, trans- it makes me think of the, what is it uh, called? the, the Trans-Siberian. Trans-Siberian Highway yeah. is really on my list of things to do. I would love 
to do that you gotta trip. Do it. Yeah. My wife mm. really wants to do the um what is it? It's the train. The the one that Oh that's on isn't it doesn't it parallel that Yeah, road? I forget the it's like the um yeah i know what you're talking that about one, I, the one that like it's like more luxury it's like you go on and it's yeah. like really nice you eat dinners and stuff and it goes for a long way so i feel like that's in my future to do that y- yes i that sounds um that that sounds like a really good way to go actually yeah but i, th- I think i have to be out there with the people right <laughs> right yeah yeah on the road yeah yeah, for sure. And maybe maybe I'll take that train on the way home. Right, you go one way on the way back. Take the train yeah, back. go one way. You could just rent a zip around. car for the first leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done those uh, like train trips in Japan that are on like the coast, or you know, like oh. these really cool old style trains, and it's such a cool way to see the landscape because it cuts through differently than roads do. Yes. It's very old timey. Yes. It is. I, I took a train from L.A. up to Seattle, and you're going in areas that you would never be able to access. Um, even even taking the train from here, from Hudson down to the city, right. you know, you're, it's just a magnificent ride. I love taking the train Yeah, there's like everywhere. these different sort of vistas that you see that are really cool, you know. It's been a while, yeah, though. I've been pretty locked up. I haven't been doing the yeah, I think you need to much. I think you need to go I think you need to plan that trip on that in Russia. I know I know I gotta do it at some <laughs> point when things slow down either maybe. that or just get in the car your your son needs to oh we do that go out in the middle of the country. oh well, yeah, we don't go that far go camping but yeah, we drive I drove him to Pittsburgh, we drive up to Maine and we drive down south and stuff you know we do that it's okay. but but yeah a, I think a a u.s trip really shows and teaches you a lot like a western a a western trip and i'll never forget um i listen i was listening to uh i guess maybe it was an npr or something and they were interviewing i think it was lee freelander's son photographer lee freelander his son is a composer and he was talking about he he um he composed a piece based on a memory as a child on one of Lee Friedlander's photo trips oh, where cool. he would ride up on top of the, you know, there was like a, a truck with a camper yeah. on top of mm-hmm. it. And there was a little window oh, yeah, up, up there. The and yeah, he yeah. said he would sit on top of that. And yeah, back to what you were saying, these memories from your childhood always seem to seep into the work would it whatever medium yeah you're you're so. in yeah just, you just can't so. help escape it you know yeah well um like what what's what are you doing with your work right now like do you have anything planned coming up or like how can people check out what you do oh well um i so i'm at the beginning of something of a new body of work and um so I, you know, I have, I have work at Yancey Richardson Gallery and um, on my website and stuff. And then eventually I'll have a show of this new work, but that's not, nothing's planned yet. It's, I, I haven't gotten the negatives back, so I, I don't even know what I have, but it, it will come together. Yeah. And 
I'll get in the dark room in the next weeks and start printing. And you have published material, right? That p- can people get that, like books or catalogs? Oh, so um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I have, there, there are some books. Um, I have a book with Radius and some catalogs. Um, and I, I don't know if you know, you know Katie, Katie Murray, Dan Torup, and Adam Putnam, the four of us do these small... Um, self-published books called, or it's called ASMR4, mm-hmm. and we come together and collaborate and do a book every, I mean, I think we've done eight now, nice. so they're just small little booklets, but fun to do and to keep the dialogue going. Um, you know, we would, we would all just sit around, meet for drinks and just talk, and then we decided, well, we should put, we should do something rather than just drink. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so we started this collaboration nice well and then you have social media you do social media yeah yeah i do it's more interesting when i'm on the road but um you know i have instagram and and such yeah (laughs) well people should definitely check out your work oh and you did a record for a band called 33.3 a while ago people that's right people would be hard pressed to find that thing but it's probably out there somewhere is it hard to find i've never looked for it but i'm sure (laughs) I don't think there were that I many made. So I did your album cover, and I love that image on the on your album. Yeah, it was. It's like one of my favorite. I love that photo, and yeah, that that's such a special memory. And then Mark Owens did the graphic design for it, which was really cool. Mark's a great graphic designer. Yeah, yeah, it was. Those were the days. Lots of talented I people. Miss 33.3. <laughs> yeah, me too. That, I mean, it was. I felt. I feel like it is an embarrassment of riches of all the awesome people that we could be around, you know, at that time. It was really kind of, um, it was nice. It's a nice memory, you know. Yes, it is. It really is. Well, um, um, yeah, it was great to talk. It was great to catch oh, up. Brian, thanks <laughs> so much. I know. I feel like, um, you know, I ran into you on the street and um, hopefully it's a little more frequently. Yeah. Once this well, once, uh, yeah, hopefully once we break out of this. Yeah. I feel like I, I think right, we're on the cusp here maybe of emerging yeah. a little. Yeah. I think so. I'm, I'm an optimist, but I, I think we're, gonna, <laughs> I think it's going to get better, but yeah. And, and you know, it, I can't wait to see the work, you know, the new work and, um, it was good to catch up. Yeah. It was great catching up, Brian. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for doing it.